The Wheel of Crime podcast is a true crime podcast that includes graphic and explicit content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The Amorous Cannibal by Chris Wallace Crabb Suppose I were to eat you, I should probably begin with the fingers, the cheeks, and the breast, yet all of you would tempt me so powerfully spicy as to discompose my choice. While I gobbled you up delicacy by tidbit, I should lay the little bones ever so gently round my plate and caress the bigger bones like ivory talismans. When I had quite devoured the edible you, your tongue informing my voice box, I would wake in the groin of the night to feel ever so slowly your plagent, ravishing ghost munching my fingers and toes. Here, with an awkward, delicate gesture, someone slides out his heart and offers it on a spoon, garnished with adjectives. to episode number seven of the Wheel of Crime podcast about cannibal killings. My name is Megan and I am your host and right away I just want to apologize for the radio silence since Halloween life can come at you really fast and you have to deal with it but I'm back. So before we go into today's episode let's get the business out of the way. I'm planning on doing a bonus episode featuring listener stories so if you have some if you had something happen to you that you can explain or if you want to scare <laughs> scare share a scary situation in which you found yourself Please send them to our email address at Wheel O Crime Podcast. That's Wheel O Crime Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll read them on the air for you. If you would like to remain anonymous, please notate that in the email. And you can find us on Facebook at Wheel of Crime Podcast, on Instagram at Wheel of Crime Podcast. Or if you want to read the blog, it's Wheel of Crime Podcast.blogspot.com. I'm going to be honest right now, I don't update it very often. I just, I get busy and it's. Just me doing this little show for you, so sorry about that. So um, something else I want to bring up real quick. I'm I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but I have created a fundraiser on GoMe or GoMe GoFundMe for our music maestro Aaron Price. He's the creator of our intro and outro music. Aaron and I have been really good friends for a long time, and he's going through a really tough time right now. He is living with type 1 diabetes and is having a hard time making ends meet because of the price of the medication and other things that are going on in his life. So in lieu of show support, I would like you to visit the page and please donate. 
anything helps. Just get the word out, even if it's just five cents. That's really awesome. All right, so let's get into this day's episode. Well, that's when the cannibalism started. Cannibalism, also called anthropophagy, is the eating of human flesh by humans. The term is derived from the Spanish name caribales or cannibales for the Carib, a West Indies tribe well known for its practice of cannibalism. A widespread custom going back into early human history, cannibalism has been found on, among peoples on most continents. So this is a very widespread, though taboo, kind of practice. So I want to read, I want to start off with reading an article by a, uh, about a Swedish scientist who states that we can help climate change by engaging in cannibalism. <laughs> so here we go, I'm going to read this to you. Swedish behavioral scientist Magnus Söderland, I think that's how you pronounce it, Söderland, um, has suggested that eating other people after they die could be a means of combating climate change. No thank you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be a vegetarian. The scientists mentioned the possibility of cannibalism during a broadcast on Swedish television uh, this week. It was a couple weeks ago uh, about, I think it, it could have been last year. I don't know. I can't remember exactly when this article was published because I didn't write that part down. But this is fairly recent. So he mentioned this week this about a, at a fair in Stockholm regarding food of the future. Soderland is set to hold seminars at the event entitled Gastro Summit about the future of food, where he intends to discuss the possibility of eating people in the name of cutting down greenhouse emissions. According to his research, the main problem with the idea is the widespread taboo of eating human flesh and said that conservative attitudes can make it hard to convince the Swedes at large to take up the practice of cannibalism. Regardless of the likely immense resistance to the idea of eating people, Suderland said it's important to examine different options in the name of sustainability. Suderland is not alone in his call to reject the taboo of cannibalism. Last year, noted atheist and evolutionary scientist Richard Dawkins, Dawkins advocated for lab-grown meat and suggested that it may be used to overcome our taboo against cannibalism. Psycho oh, I, I don't care. I'm not... I, grown or not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Psychologists Jared Piazza and Neil McClatchy of Lancaster University also questioned the taboo on cannibalism in an article for Newsweek last month, but ultimately did not endorse breaking it. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you shouldn't do that, if, especially if you are somebody in the public. A YouGov poll in the UK found that 37% of respondents thought that the number of food products contained containing insects would grow in the next 10 years. Now, I can see that. I can see us eating insects and bugs, because people already do, but... Silent Green is people! Okay, so... <sighs> Last year in the German city of Aachen, I think it is, A-A-C-H-E-N, shoppers were invited to try burgers made of buffalo worms with mixed reactions from the public. What are, what are buffalo worms? Is it worms that are like dressed in buffalo sauce or are they specifically buffalo worms? What is that? Um, so Richard, Richard, Daw Richard Dawkins uh, was quoted here saying, what if human meat is grown? Could we overcome our taboo against cannibalism? An interesting test case for the consequentialist morality versus yuck reaction absolutism. And he tweeted that uh, last year, March 3rd. And this is from Bright, Bright Bart, London. I don't know who that is. 
but uh, he tweeted also, cannibalism is not the only alternative meat advocated by climate change activists. Many have embraced plant-based meat imitations while others have put their support behind, quote, meat made of insects as a way to cut down greenhouse emissions and save on land and water use. I happen to think that that is a really good point. And we don't have to resort to eating people. Okay, so next I want to read something I found in my research. And I found this interesting. This is a list of 25 disturbing facts about cannibalism. Okay, so number 25. Human ancestors practiced cannibalism. Homo antecessor, um, an archaic human species in the lower Paleolithic, Paleolithic prevalent in the Western Europe, in the Western, in Western Europe, regularly, regularly ate other humanoids, even if, even when there was plenty of wildlife available. So these are like sub, um, Neanderthal people and they ate other people. So number 24, this is, this is weird. And it's not really weird once you think about it. Humans hold very little nutritional value, and this makes sense seeing how early humans expended more calories hunting and gathering than they usually did, you know, when they, when they, when they ate. So you could sit here and eat a whole buffalo and you get more nutrition than eating some Joe who's out here trying to hunt just like you do because you may not be nutritionally sound yourself. Um, okay, so number 23, endocannibalism is one of many forms of cannibalism. This is the eating of family members after they pass. The ritual was very specific and involved eating certain parts of the body given to certain family members. So, for example, a sister had to eat the brains of her brother or the hands of her brother-in-law. This was actually featured in the book Queen of the Damned by Anne Rice, which, by the way, was a far better book than a movie. So, if you get a chance to read it, read it. Because it was amazing. Number 22, cannibalism is common in the animal kingdom. Though cannibalism is a huge tattoo amongst... Er, tattoo, Jesus... Though cannibalism is a huge taboo amongst humans, it's quite common with animals. Black widows eat the male after mating, and mothers, some mothers eat their young, and even praying mantises eat the head off of their mate. So I apologize for all the tripping up and everything. My cats are distracting me, and I'm hearing noises. I live right by a highway, so if you hear this background noise, that's why, so I apologize. Anyway. Number 21, chimpanzees are known to be cannibals. Groups of chimps have been known to rebel against, kill, and eat their leader. And we all know that they eat faces, so. The eating of human foreigners is known as exocannibalism. Sorry, my cats are fighting. Um, exocannibalism. This practice usually isn't, isn't ritual, but it's a rather archaic form of terrorism. So this was practiced frequently in like Papua New Guinea during village raids. So can you imagine how scary that must have been? Like people, people coming in and trying to can you kill them or they come in and they eat you. It's crazy. Um, they don't just smite you. They suck the bones clean. Number 19, Japanese cannibals almost ate George Bush Sr. This was one of the few facts that I didn't know. And uh, maybe I should have known, but I'm, if I did know it, I forgot. So, which, you know, when you, when you start forgetting stuff and you get old, Everything's a new experience. So anyway, um, during World War II, he was shot down during a bombing raid over Chichijima. I think I said that right. He was able to escape his plane further from the island uh, when, he, when he got further away from the island and got on a life raft, leaving his fellow airmen to a gruesome fate. He was the only one that didn't get eaten. Can you imagine how different our life would be right now? 
just weird. At number 18, humans taste like pork. Researchers asked cannibals about the taste of human flesh and most reported that it tastes like pork, which surprises me because I just assumed everything tasted like chicken. Number 17, 19th century Methodist missionaries were killed and cooked. <laughs> Remember those old Bugs Bunny cartoons where it shows those islanders putting the the foreigner foreign visitor or the American visitor usually in the in the pot to cook them and it may have been based on fact in 1878 four Methodist missionaries were preaching in Papua New Guinea and the tribe leader Taleli gave the order to kill and eat the missionaries because they were foreigners in 2007 the tribe officially apologized for the actions of their ancestors number 16 the taste of human flesh can be attributed to a number of factors Age, gender, and the section of the body eaten, and even the method of cooking can change the way humans taste, and especially their diet. So if you eat like a really acidic diet, your, your meat's going to taste a little different than if you had a more, more alkaline diet, which makes sense. Number 15, people usually don't eat other people unless they need to survive. These days, the eating of other humans is considered disgustingly horrifying. One exception of this, or to this, is survival cannibalism. This type of, or this, this type is an innate survival instinct as self-preservation kicks in when pushed to the brink of death. It also allows us to push past moral boundaries and do what it takes to survive and is typically a last result type of issue. And number 14, the 1972 Andes plane crash resulted in survival cannibalism. And I think this is one of the most famous cases of modern survival cannibalism that I can think of outside of the Donner Party. Um, the flight, flight 571 out of Uruguay crashed in the Andes Mountains. The survivors were, were trapped there for weeks and eventually had to make a very hard choice, eat or not to eat. They decided to eat the flesh of the dead in order to live. The survivors were rescued 72 days after that. Now, yeah, they survived, but what did that do to them in their head? I mean, what, what did that do mentally? I'm sure that was not an easy thing. What, what would you feel afterwards? Think about that. I've often thought about that. How would I feel? I know I ate bad over there, you know, even if, even even though it helped us survive, I would still feel really bad about eating bad. Okay, so number 13, in early European culture, medicinal cannibalism was quite popular. Early European culture offered that consuming mummified bodies or parts of bodies could cure certain ailments. This belief also fed into the economic boom with grave robbers stealing mummies from Egypt in the 11th century. Um, number 12, <laughs> cannibalism is addictive but I mean think about this you know how they say that a dog if you bite if he bites a, another dog or another human then he gets the taste of blood and you have to wonder how much of that is true there's a therapist at the summit Malibu treatment center called Karen or named Karen Hyland that claims that cannibalism activates the pleasure center of the brain and triggers a dopamine release and this could be because it's a taboo thing so usually when you engage in taboos, it does trigger different parts of your brain because it's, you feel like you're getting away with something, you know, or I don't know. She compared it to someone who ingested illicit drugs and said once that trigger is pulled, the addict will want to keep pursuing the act for the pleasure. The not, bleh, sorry, the Donner Party was a tragic case of cannibalism. Uh, and this was also survival cannibalism. This is probably one of the more well-known cases and has certainly entwined itself into popular culture. In 1846, a group of 90 immigrants left Illinois and traveled west to California. The leaders of the group, <clears throat> excuse me, Jacob and George Donner, decided to go through a new route 
that they ended up getting trapped in the Sierra Nevada mountains. As we know, it didn't end well. They had to turn to survival cannibalism to survive the winter. Only half of the group made it to California. Now, this is interesting, and another proponent of why it's not just taboo and gruesome, it's probably not a healthy practice. Cannibalism leads to a disease called Kuru, and that's K-U-R-U. It is found in people in Papua New Guinea. When they ate their dead, they developed Kuru, or Prion's disease. The symptoms include paralysis, uncontrollable laughter, and the inability to control bodily functions, leading to the nickname Laughing Death. It was discovered uh, that it happened by a twisted protein that would slow that kind of slowly creates holes in that person's brain. But it only happened if the person ate somebody who was already dead. You know, which usually if you're eating something, it's usually dead anyway. So this is similar to how mad cow's disease came about. They fed cows, well, cows, and it spawned the, the prion that ate the brain. So they would feed these cows dead cow meat. And of course this caused the prions to be created and it destroyed the brain so if humans eat a cow with the disease they also get the same infection and you're going to get holes in your brain so don't don't do it now number nine during a famine colonial jamestown resorted to cannibalism so way back when settlers first colonized there was no such thing as a supermarket during the quote starving time of 1609 life was very harsh and they often experienced uh severe for shortages of food there were early accounts mentioning cannibalism, but that was disputed. However, researchers have found evidence of a 14-year-old skull that was killed and cannibalized. So you can sit here and say it was disputed, but you're just saving face, honey. It's okay. People have to do crazy things to survive. But anyway, uh, number eight, most people participate in mild forms of cannibalism. This is just a silly fact, really, but it's called auto-cannibalism. And so it's like eating your scabs, your fingernails, dry skin, and your hair. It's kind of weird. And uh, number seven, some people have taken auto-cannibalism way too far. It can lead to severe bodily harm. And in one case, a man started biting his fingernails, which turned into him biting off the tips of his own fingers. Doctors associate uh, this with severe diabetic neuropathy and social isolation. My personal opinion is it's mental illness. Um, it can turn into one of those things that, it, like an obsessive compulsive thing. Number six, auto cannibalism can be genetically inherited. It is called, and I didn't know this, Lesh Nyhan syndrome. It happens because a single faulty gene, uh, it happens because of a single faulty gene on the X chromosome. Those with this syndrome have been known to chew off their tongues and parts of their bodies. No one knows why they do this, but some theorize it could be a loss of motor control. Like it's a thought manifestation. If a person with a syndrome thinks about biting themselves, they're going to do it even if they don't want to do it. That's, that's kind of the whole obsess obsessive thing. Number five, 17th century Europeans thought, blood, thought the blood of the deceased would cure them. They would line up at executions with cups in hand to collect the blood of the dead, thinking it would cure epilepsy, and the more violent the death, the more value they thought the blood would have. Now that's quite disgusting and something I did not know. Joseph, this is number four, Joseph Stalin's man-made famine caused Ukrainians to resort to cannibalism. And, and, and I know a lot of people here in history books, they don't really touch on it a whole lot, but yes, during the famine in Soviet Union, people ate each other. This is, this is what happened. Uh, Stalin had seized the land and reorganized the, the agriculture in Russia, but the Ukrainians suffered the most because they refused to give up their land, so he starved them into submission. 
When I heard about this in history class, my teacher had told us that it had become a saying over the years that um, if you had seen a fat person, you, you better run because they're probably going to try to eat you or they have eaten somebody. Yeah. Okay, so number three, a growing popular trend call of cannibalism is placentophagy. Placent, it's pretty much where you eat the damn placenta. Uh, which various celebrities have started promoting, causing it to come back in a trend again. This is when a mother <laughs> uh, eats her own placenta. Doctors have come out and said there is no merit to the claims that it has health benefits and have said that it can be dangerous for both the mother and the child if the placenta is infected or contaminated as the infection could pass through the, milk, the breast milk to the baby. I'm sorry, that is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Uh, no, no, ugh. Uh, people with mental disorders like schizophrenia have been known to be cannibals as it reduces a person's sense of uh, empathy and morality. But not all people with schizophrenia, with schizophrenia become cannibals, but it does tend to be people with mental issues. In 2008, Vince Lee stabbed, beheaded, and cannibalized a man named Tim McLean on a Greyhound bus during travel. Even after they stopped and all the passengers fled, Lee methodically continued his attack. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this story. Go go check it out. This is nasty. Just all of a sudden, this guy just starts stabbing this dude and, like, hacking at him and eating his face. And, oh, it, it horrified people. Um, yeah, go go check that out. <laughs> all right, so we're, we're going to, this, this number one reason, or one, number one disturbing fact of cannibalism which kind of leads into today's case. Cannibal Armin Myways put out an ad for someone to become his next meal. Now, when I started researching this and I found this list, I was thrilled to find this as the number one disturbing fact because it is a perfect segue in today's case. My name, Armin Myways. I was born 1961. I'm computer engineer from Rothenburg, Germany. I killed a man, slaughtered him, and ate him. Since then, he is always with me. So the case of Armin Maiwes, this was a listener-suggested case. Actually, it was two listeners. Um, fans of the show William and Damien suggested we cover this one. Um, I admit I am omitting their names because of their age and the fact that they're my children. They suggested this back when I was putting the list together for the, for the wheel, and they told me about this, and my first thought was, should I be scared or proud? But after looking into the case, I was absolutely fascinated, and I could see why they brought this up. And as I'm doing this research, my first thought was, um, I, I started flashing to that scene in Hannibal where Anthony Hopkins is sitting at the table with Ray Liotta, and half his brain is exposed, and uh, he keeps cutting pieces out of it and cooking it and feeding it to Ray Liotta as he's sitting there talking to him. And uh, was, that's, I can't unsee that. That's, that's a really nasty one. Anyway, most accounts of cannibalism involve a deviant perpetrator and an involuntary victim. But what if the victim chooses to be eaten? I want you to remember something during this case because it will come up a lot. Though this is a repugnant act and could be considered morally wrong, cannibalism is not illegal, most specifically in Germany, meaning there are laws against the act, or meaning there are no laws against the act itself. The law pertaining to something like this would have to be under murder not the eating of the dead person. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't convicted of cannibalism, he was convicted of murder. Now, why split hairs, you ask? Because the way the law handles this question determines the fate of the perpetrator, and we'll get into this in depth more uh, a little bit later. 
the reason that, especially in this case, that it's so in particularly important is because the victim was a willing participant in his own murder. He wanted this to happen. And that's not something that comes about a lot. So, let's discuss the Rotenberg Cannibal, or in German, and I'm going to butcher this, Der Metzgermeister, which means the Master Butcher. To the people who knew Armin Maiwies, he was a sweet and charming man with a good reputation in the neighborhood. On his days off, he would spend time helping friends with car repairs or landscaping. On the surface, he seemed like an average man, a regular Joe, just another hard-working man trying to make a living. So when he was arrested and the details came to light, it shocked everyone who knew him. So who was Armin Maiwies? I'm going to go over a brief little history because it does have some bearing on what eventually happened. Armin's childhood was normal. Uh, he was born December 1st, 1961, and lived with his family in Essen, Germany. Uh, I guess they had a family vacation house in Rotenburg as well. He lived with his mother, father, and two half-brothers. When Armin was about eight years old, <clears throat> his father got into his car and drove away and never came back. He had drained their bank accounts and left them destitute. His brothers left as well, leaving Armin alone with his mother, who was withdrawing from life out of depression from her husband leaving her. Because, because his mother withdrew from him, he began, to, he began a fantasy life in his head, creating an imaginary friend who would never leave him. Now, this was around the time that he had started to enter puberty, and this is where many fetishes are born, as we know. Um, and I guess what had happened was he started to fantasize about eating this imaginary friend, and it becomes sexualized. So, something strikes a person around this time, and their mind equates it with eroticism, which creates that fetish. He was, a he was a little boy struggling with abandonment when he needed the parent who abandoned him the most. And coupled with his mother's emotional abandonment, he began to fantasize about keeping a person with him forever so, that he so they couldn't leave him. And his mind took it a bit further than we consider normal, like Dahmer. He began to fantasize about eating them so that that way they could be a part of him forever. There's no indication that Armin was violent, dangerous, or even had a dark side. No one has ever come forward and said that uh, anything like that about Armin, and in fact, it was quite the opposite. Just a sweet, gentle man with a dark fantasy he shared with no one. After his mother died, he decided to explore this fantasy just a little bit. So he took to the internet, and this was kind of when the internet was just starting to bloom. And it, it, I think it, was, it wasn't quite in its infancy, but it was just getting started with chat rooms and things like that. So anyway, he found a site where he could indulge a bit and find others who shared his particular tastes. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> he wanted to find a willing participant, a willing participant, not an unwitting victim. So he posted an ad searching for a, quote, young, well-built man that wanted to be eaten. <laughs> you might be thinking to yourself, who on earth would answer an ad like that? Who really wants to be eaten by another person? But surprisingly, he got quite the response. But he wanted to make sure that he selected the right person for this particular conquest. Of all the ads sent to him, he began communicating with Bern Brandis. Brandis was a 36-year-old computer engineer from Berlin and had a dark fantasy about being consumed. It took a few weeks of chatting before they finally met up on March 9, 2001, and Brandis came to Maiwi's farmhouse. Armin took him up to the master bedroom and they chatted for a little bit. Uh, then Maiwi's gave Brandis some sleeping pills, liquid cold medicine, and schnapps. After that mixture took hold, Maiwis set up a camera to film everything, 
And honestly, if you if you go on YouTube and you see those like those lists of five most sickest videos ever that will never be released to the public, this is usually in that list because it's pretty gruesome. So they started off by cutting Brandis' penis from his body. At first he screamed, but of course, but quieted quickly saying that surprisingly it didn't hurt anymore. Brandis wanted to share a piece of that flesh with him, or he wanted Myrie's to share that piece of flesh with him, so Myrie's boiled it, but Brandis said it was too tough to eat. Now, Myrie's in interviews has said that it was too fresh and therefore cooking it made it tough. Uh, afterwards, Brandis, I just can't imagine having to have that conversation on an interview. Anyway, afterwards, Brandis wanted, Brandis wanted to take a bath, so, so Myrie's set up a bath for him and let him soak overnight. Now, he had lost consciousness a couple times, came back, lost consciousness all night. But by the morning, uh, by the next morning, Myrie could cut his throat and then set about the task of cutting his body into pieces by hanging him from a meat hook so that he could. The camera was still rolling when he pan-boiled some flesh, sat down, and ate it with a red glass of wine. After eating his fill, he packaged the leftovers for future meals, and most accounts say that it took him about 10 months to eat it, to eat everything, and he stored the meat under uh, other frozen foods to hide it. So, how did he get caught? He went back online looking for another willing participant in their own death. In December 2002, he put out another ad, but this time admitted to the responder that he'd done this before. Don't worry, I know what I'm doing. Soon the authorities were knocking at his door. By this time, he had already eaten 45 pounds of Brandis body and told authorities that the meat tasted like pork, only heavier. Because Germany has no laws against cannibalism, he was initially convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 8.5 years in prison. The judge ruled that Brandis had given consent, regardless of whether or not they were both disturbed individuals. Mywis lawyer, lawyer argued that this was a mercy killing, basically an assisted suicide. In 2005, a German court ordered a retrial after prosecutors appealed the case, saying that he could have been convicted of murder because he had killed to satisfy a sexual urge, and that having videotaped it proved that that was that the motive was sexual. The court ruled that the at, that the first trial had ignored the significance of the video in disproving the argument that Mywes only killed Brandis because he had when he was asked to do so. At the, now, here, here's the thing. Yeah, he still, regardless of whether he derived sexual pleasure from it, he was still asked to do this. This was still something that was consensual, and this is why this is such a strange case. So, at the new trial, a psychologist stated that uh, he thought Myers could reoffend since he still had fantasies about eating people, and he was sentenced to life without parole in May 2006. And my personal opinion on this is that um, they just didn't want him in society, which I completely understand. I mean, if you're going to do it once, you're going to do it again. Like when you, when, when a dog bites you, they're going to keep biting people because they like the taste of that blood. So now here's something interesting <clears throat> that I thought. So according to Wikipedia, this case has had an impact on pop culture. And let me count the ways. So here, film. Uh, there was a film called An Appetite for Bernard Brady in 2005. This was a short film directed by Chris Mangiano and written by Todd Van Der Ark and Chris Mangiano. And it was loosely based on the case, but strictly takes the point of view from the victim's perspective as the character comes to terms with the idea of being eaten. Um, there's another one called Grim Love. Um, this was a German title 
Rotenberg in 2006, feature film directed by Martin Weiss, I think that's how you pronounce it, Weiss, uh, starring Carrie Russell, was banned in Germany after Maiwis complained that his personal rights had been violated. The ban was subsequently lifted by Germany's highest civil court after an appeal. The film won multiple awards at the 2006 Festival of Sindesikis, as some film festival in Germany. <clears throat> but anyway, then in 2006, there's a movie called Cannibal, is a direct-to-video horror film based on Maiwis and Brandis, though the characters do not have names, referred only as the man and the flesh. The film was banned in Germany. <laughs> so other films based on the case uh, include Rosa von Pronheim's Dying Herst in Meinem Herrn. I'm really not good at German. Your Heart in My Brain and Oli Lommel's The Diary of a Cannibal. The plot of an Australian thriller, Feed, bears similar. It bears many similarities to the case. I didn't realize just how much this influenced everything. Okay, so in the music world, the German industrial metal band Rammstein, I love Rammstein, released the song Mein Tio, which specifically references the Maiwis case in 2004. MTV Germany restricted airing the video after, uh, to after 11 p.m. This is something I didn't know. The rock musician Marilyn Manson has identified Maiwis as an inspiration in the titling of his album, Eat Me, Drink Me, the Swedish death metal band, band Bloodbath wrote a song called Eaten, which voices Brandy's desire to be eaten alive all while witnessing the act. The Chicago-based death metal band Macabre wrote a song about Maiwis called The Wustenfeld Maneater. Wow, so television, there's a lot here. So episode, season two, episode three of the sitcom, The It Crowd, titled Moss and the German Parodies to Maiwi's Case. Uh, the character Maurice Moss, thinking that he's answering an advert for a German cookery course, ends up in the house of an aspiring German cannibal where the error is revealed, the fault lying in the man's poor grasp of the English language when writing the advert. In 2008, more music and media released the four-hour interview and documentary from the RTL Extra on DVD, uh, the Der, Der Cannibal von Rottenberg. It was released in the UK as Armin Maiwis, the Cannibal. An episode of the British medical documentary Body Shock, entitled The Man Who Ate His Lover, discusses the case in detail. In season four, the episode The Handyman of the British comedy series Peep Show. Main character Mark warns Jeremy that something is something bad is going to happen if Jeremy continues looking for the orgazoid, uh, mentioning that he might invite a German off the internet to eat him. Season 1, Episode 1 of the TV series Rake, titled R.V. Murray, features an accused cannibal who eats his volunteer in similar circumstances to the Miley's case. Uh, also, ep Season 1, Episode 4 of the 2014 American remake of Rake, titled Cannibal, features an accused cannibal. An episode of Hannibal made reference to an incident where the main character, Mason Verger, quote, you boys remind me of that German cannibal who advertised for a friend and hit for a friend and then ate him and his penis before he died. Tragedy being the penis was overcooked. Go to all that trouble eating a friend and you overcook his penis. They ate it anyway. They had to. They committed. But they did not enjoy it. That's hilarious. In an August 2016 episode of Pitchfork series over slash under, 
guest Eric Andre makes reference to Miley's. Quote, I wanted to see an episode where Wiley Coyote violently, savagely tears Roadrunner apart, eats him alive, you know, cuts his dick off and barbecues it and eats it like that German computer technician did to that guy he found on Craigslist. <laughs> American sitcom 30 Rock referenced the case in an episode, The Goon's Deed in a Weary World, season 7, episode 11. The character Pete Hornberger, played by Scott Adsit, laments, laments dwindling advertisers on his show. He says that the only advertiser they have left is a German guy who wants to eat someone, but even Gunter has doubts. <laughs> In the season... I love that show. In the season two episode, Hungry, of the American anthology series Room 104, two men meet in a hotel room to eat each other's penises. The men, Gene and, and Dan, are interrupted while eating Dan's penis by the cops after a concerned call from Dan's wife. After an explanation of the consent given and plan to seek medical attention shortly, the men continue to prepare for the second course, Gene's penis, as the episode ends. So he, this has also inspired some theater. Uh, in 2014, Taste, an award-winning play inspired by the case, premiered in Los Angeles at the Sacred Fools Theater Company. The play was written by screenwriter Benjamin Brand and directed by Stuart Gordon. The production was nominated for various awards from all of the major Los Angeles theatrical critic organizations, and the production starred Chris McKenna and Donald Toms Capello and, produced, and was produced by Gordon, Dean Schramm, Ben Rock, and Adam Goldworm. 2013, a short horror play called Rottenberg by playwright Matthew Minasino. I'm going to say Minasino premiered at Box Wine Productions in New York City. The play follows the planned rendezvous of two lesbians based on My Ways and Brands. Ha ha ha, I get it. Ha ha. In 2017, the original musical My Ways slash Brandes uh, was chosen to be part of the Actors Center inaugural John Thaw Initiative, written by R-A-D-A-M-A, -A -A, I don't know what that is, graduates uh, Harriet Taylor, Scott Howland, Laura Dorn, and Aurora Richardson. This piece uh, uses correspondence between Maiwis and Brands, as well as verbatim court transcripts to recreate their meaning and tell a deeper story about love, pain, queer relationships, and mental health. Well, wasn't that just awesome? All right, so stay tuned for the spin, y'all. It's that time again. It is time to spin that wheel. Here we go. All right, the next time we meet, we're going to be discussing cases that are stranger than fiction. Stay tuned. All right, this is going to do it for episode seven. Uh, I won't have such a long break next time, I promise. Check out the GoFundMe page for Aaron and send me those weird stories, wheelocrimepodcast at gmail.com. We will see you next time with a story that is stranger than fiction. Have a good week. Don't be a dick.
right, dude. Episode's over. Go home. I have to research the next show. I have to level my cat.